I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network with me, Harry Simeon, here for another show to bring you the latest from the transfer merry-go-round. What is being said, what is being written, what is being reported right now about the mighty Arsenal? We're going to get into all of that. We'll be taking some of your questions and thoughts from the chat box as well. Got a few updates for you guys as well with regards to some upcoming content. And I'm here to remind you of how you can enter our giveaway competition. We have had loads and loads of entrants, but I'm going to leave it for probably another week uh, before we go out there and pick out the winners. So if you want to enter, you still can. Head over to Chronicles underscore AFC on Twitter. Check out the pinned tweet. Follow the instructions in that tweet if you are a Twitter user. If you're not a Twitter user, you can email me. The email address is chroniclesafc at gmail.com. Get involved. Email me. Tell me that you want to enter the competition and I'll pop your name in the hat. The opportunity to win one of three Arsenal home shirts is there for you all uh, from me to say thank you for your support. Okay, right. Let's um, let's get into today's news then. And let's start off with some non-football news because earlier today, the uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson resigned from his position. And we actually delayed this live stream because somebody in the chat very kindly told me uh, that his statement, his resignation statement was about to take place outside of Downing Street. And um, and I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to stream during that because I know that there's a lot of people that, that do want to watch it and who would pass up the opportunity to listen to Boris Johnson make a fool of himself for one last time whilst in uh, in the position. Well, he's not going to step down immediately. He's going to carry on until somebody else takes over, which could be months. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's a story for another day. Uh, but I couldn't not mention it because it's big, big news here in the UK. Uh, Crypto FPL says you don't check your email. I absolutely do check my email. And I've had tons of emails from people entering the competition. I haven't had time to sit and reply to every single one of them yet. I will get through them, I promise, because some of them have come with not just instructions to enter them into the competition, but some really nice words and some really kind comments about the podcast. So I do really, really appreciate them. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and spend some time going through them. As you will have realized, there was, of course, no uh, live stream yesterday, just a short video taken from my uh, show at TalkSport 2 because I was I was really busy. Um, I was in the office with 90 Min. I was at the studio. Uh, I was at Talk Sport. And then I attended uh, a leaving do of a, a colleague of mine, but also uh, went to watch uh, the start of the women's Euros as well. So I was completely off the radar yesterday. So I do apologize for that. But crypto, I do check my email. I see them all, I see everything. I just don't always get a chance uh, to respond to them straight away. But now we've got the, the Boris Johnson stuff out the way. Let's focus on the mighty Arsenal. And let's talk, first of all, about Yuri Tielemans. Now, for those of you that are subscribed to the YouTube channel, you'll have seen uh, a very short clip from my uh, TalkSport 2 show yesterday in which we discussed this news because the news had broken just shortly before we went on air. And it was a report from The Sun from Mark Irwin who discussed the fact that Yuri Tielemans is now awaiting 
Arsenal's offer. That Arsenal are preparing a offer in the region of thirty million pounds to submit officially to Leicester City as they look to get the Belgian out of there and over to Emirates Stadium. Now, this is a saga that's been running on for the duration of the summer so far, and I can't quite make sense of it. I've told you guys before, I don't know exactly what the hold-up was. If Arsenal are as interested in Yuri Tielemans as we keep being told, if Yuri Tielemans is as interested in a move to Arsenal as we keep being told, why the hell haven't the club gone out there and done it yet? That's the thing that makes me feel nervous about Yuri Tielemans. That's the thing that makes me wary of this particular deal and wary of getting carried away because I've made no secret of the fact that I'm a big Yuri Tielemans fan. I think he'd add a lot. I think he'd bring a lot. I think he'd be a really, really good and smart addition. And particularly when you think about the price at which he's said to be available, £30 million would be a steal for a player who, despite being or going into the final year of his contract, is a really, really big talent. So I think he's worth every single penny. Will we do it, though? Have we been actually preparing a bid? Um, are we actually going to make that move now? I don't know. Um, and I'm still kind of on the fence about that. And I'll tell you why, because although uh, although it was reported by The Sun, not the most trustworthy of publications, as a lot of people will tell you here in the UK, we did hear from Sasha Tavalieri on, uh, on the Guna Talk TV yesterday with Tom Canton that actually Arsenal have other priorities in the centre of midfield. Now, we don't know who the other priority is. There was talk of Sergei Milinkovic-Savic earlier on in the week, and, and we kind of got a little bit excited about that uh, because of how impressive he's been in Lazio colours ever since he joined the club, really. And I invited uh, friend and colleague Vittorio Campanile onto the show. Big Lazio man covers the club very, very closely to give us his take on that. And he kind of poured cold water on it. Um, you know, he made me feel and made me believe that actually... Messagero's report saying that Arsenal had already made a bid and had one rejected, had one knocked back and were preparing another feels a little bit inaccurate and a little bit out there. So I'm glad that I spoke to Vittorio because I, I did tweet at the time that Milinkovic Savic rumours came out that I couldn't afford to let my emotions get the better of me on this one because he's a player I like and have admired for a very, very long time. So glad to hear from Vittorio that there isn't really anything to get carried away about so that I can at least prepare myself for that disappointment when it inevitably comes along. But yeah, look, as was revealed on, on the Guna talk, um, Tielemans is not a priority. Well, who the bloody hell is? And this is the big thing now. It's becoming really, really difficult to read what Arsenal are trying to do in this transfer market. You know, we've seen them in the past act very, very carefully, tread very, very carefully and almost do deals in a kind of stealth manner. And that's good. You know, that's the way Arsenal have always wanted to do things. Unfortunately, nowadays, it's so difficult, though, to keep something very high profile completely under wraps. You know, we saw it with Gabriel Jesus. I'm sure Arsenal would have liked to have kept that one quiet if they could have until the deal was done. But, you know, the speculation was there for, for a while, for a long time. And, um, and then that is in complete contrast to somebody like Fabio Vieira, who we just signed completely out of the blue. So, You've got two ends of the spectrum at the moment with Arsenal, right? It seems that when it's not a very high-profile player or not as a high-profile player, they're able to manage that situation effectively and they're able to keep the name, they're able to keep what's going on out of the press. But when it comes 
to a big, big player with a very high profile. As I say, there are much more opportunities from which the story could leak. And therefore, it becomes very, very difficult to keep things under wraps. You've got to take encouragement from the fact that Arsenal um, are seemingly moving quietly at the moment, that we don't really know an awful lot about what's going on. The, the flip side, though, to that is that when Arsenal do keep things quiet, it tends to be because they're going for someone that maybe isn't necessarily at the forefront of a lot of people's thinking. And some will say that's a good thing. Others will say, well, there are better targets out there that we're not moving for or we can assume that we're not moving for because if they were big, high-profile players, going back to what I just said, the likelihood of there being some leak somewhere along the line would be, you know, increased. So I'm a little bit kind of wary at the moment of, uh, as I say, getting too invested in particular transfer targets, ones that have, whose names have been circled in the media, but also at the same time, the fact that it is also quiet at the moment, it does give me confidence that maybe Arsenal are moving and Arsenal are doing things and hopefully in the right way. But we'll see. Um, you know, we'll see. Arsenal are doing their best, their utmost to keep these things under wraps, to keep their cards close to their chest. And I'm not surprised because in the past, recently, in fact, with Rafinha, Arsenal showed an interest in a player. That speculation uh, did the rounds after obviously the information leaked from somewhere. You know, probably Rafinha's agent, given that he wants Barcelona to come in for him. That still hasn't happened, by the way. They still haven't actually reached an agreement with uh, with Leeds. But you think about that and you think about what then subsequently happened, which was Chelsea got involved. Chelsea came in and made an offer that was much bigger than Arsenal's. And then Barcelona came to the party as well. And it's almost as though you don't want these things to get out until you've done the deal, because what you can quite easily do is do all of the groundwork, do all the negotiating with the club that are selling, do all the back and forth, only for someone else to come in and, and step in at a later stage, having already kept a close eye on what you're doing, having already understood what it's going to require, how the deal can get done based on your endeavours, and then coming in and stealing the player away. So I think it's important that Arsenal... Um, you know, try and keep things close to their chest. Look, if you can hear me wheezing a little bit through the microphone, I don't know if it's coming through, but I can hear it in my headphones. I do apologise. I probably should have taken a pump before I started the show, but I can't just get up and go and get one now in the middle of it. So I do apologise for that. But yeah, look, so that's where we are on Tielemans. The Sun say that Arsenal are preparing a bid, but again, where is it then? There's no sign of it at the moment. On the Guna Talk TV, Sasha Tavalieri, I think I've got his name right because I didn't write it down, terrible of me, says that Arsenal do have Tielemans on their radar, but they have another priority who is unknown at the moment, whom they're trying to get in first, which would make sense given that Arsenal haven't pushed forward with the deal for Tielemans. And so, yeah, we wait. We continue to wait. I want to talk a little bit about a couple of other reports as well that are doing the rounds. Arsenal are being linked with Marco Asensio of Real Madrid for 40 million euros. That was a report in AS yesterday coming out of, the, out of Spain. Oh, man. I mean, Marco Asensio, really? I just feel like that ship has sailed a long, long time ago. I think at one time he threatened to go on and be a really, really big player and a really great player at that. And when I watch Marco Asensio on, on the rare occasion that I do sit down to watch Real Madrid, 
I'm always underwhelmed. I always look at him and think you've got so much talent, so much raw ability, but why haven't you been able to apply yourself to the level that we all thought you could earlier on in your career? And it's a it's a struggle for me. It's a struggle to kind of get excited about the prospect of, of Marco Asensio coming in. I think he's a good player in his own right. Don't know that he's well equipped for the Premier League. Don't know that he's the man I'd be looking for if I'm being completely honest. So uh, I'm hoping that that one isn't true. Another player that we've been linked with is Eden Zagrova uh, of Lille, a Kosovan winger. Now, I'll give you a little bit of information on Eden Zagrova because I've got to be honest, I don't know an awful lot about him. And as I always say, if these reports do catch fire, if these reports do become a little bit more um, concrete, then maybe we will get somebody on with a, a greater knowledge uh, of him. I've got some great colleagues at 90 Min who cover French Ligue 1 for the French team who are fantastic and I'm sure would be able to give us a great insight into this player. But we're talking about a 23-year-old Kosovan winger, uh, left-footed but tends to play from the right-hand side. Uh, does stay wide most of the time based on the heat map that we can see here from SofaScore.com. Doesn't tend to go infield as much as some of the modern-day wingers do, which is interesting because he plays on the wrong side. Now, if you think about his stats, because I think people, you know, always want to see the stats. You know, what do the stats tell us about Edens or Grover? Well, actually, they don't read very, very well. And I'll tell you why, because he only started, if I just flick that to the French Ligue 1, last season, he only started five games for Lille, played 13 matches in total and averaged 37 minutes per game. Got two goals in that. Scores a goal every 243 minutes. I don't know. Look, I know he's 23 and, and I don't really know an awful lot about him to say what the reasons for the stats looking a little bit underwhelming are. I've seen a couple of compilations going around of him in which he looks a really exciting player. But Nicolas Pepe looked great, didn't he, as well, on those compilations. Not to say he's terrible, but you know what I'm trying to say. You cannot be sucked in by somebody's YouTube compilation alone. And when you don't know a lot about the player... You need to seek information, I think, from people that do watch him week in, week out, because I still place a lot of value on that thing we call the eye test. The stats are great. You can have a look at the stats. You can, um, you know, you can try and make sense of them as best as possible. But ultimately, sometimes they can paint a slightly false picture. Now, uh, Henke Ho in the chat says, check his Basel stats. You know what? I will do that. Because, of course, uh, he played at FC Basel prior to joining Lille. Let me bring those up and let's take a little look. Now, this is the first time I'm looking at them as well. So uh, bear with me a second. Hold on. Let me just share the screen uh, for those of you watching us on YouTube. Bear with me a second. Here we go. Uh, check out his Basel stats, they say. OK, let's do it. So. Um, obviously joined Lille from FC Basel in January 2022. So that explains why he didn't play a lot of games, right? He came, you know, mid-season, £6.3 million. Previously played at Genk. Um, spent some time on loan uh, there. Sorry. Yeah, went from Genk to Basel. And then Basel to Genk. And then Genk to Basel on a permanent deal for £2.7 million. Let's check out his stats by a club then. Do they read much better for FC Basel? Now that looks better. 
Talking about 73 games played for FC Basel, 11 goals scored, 17 assists. So that equates to 28 direct goal contributions in 73 games. That reads much better, but it's still not anything that you can really write home about. You know, it's still not anything that I'd, I'd go crazy about. I, I just, I don't know. I'm a little bit, I guess I'm coming from the point where that we were looking at Rafinha, who we know can do it in the Premier League, who has proven it and who's been a really, really excellent signing for Leeds United. We were looking at that level of player. And the reason I was so positive and optimistic and hopeful that we were going to be able to get that deal done was not because there aren't other wingers in the world, but it was because, for me, we weren't taking a gamble. Like, yeah, OK, we were paying a bit more money than we probably should have. And so you could argue, God, sorry for the motorbike going past. You know, we were paying more money than we probably should have. And so there was an element of risk to that deal, of course. But nowhere near as much risk as going and bringing in a 23-year-old who did okay at Basel, hasn't really had time to get his feet under the table at Lille. You know, that is a gamble. And it's a significant downgrade at present on Rafinha. So you can understand why fans would look at that and go, come on, guys, we were looking at Rafinha and now Eden's a Grover. Just feels really, really underwhelming. I completely understand that. It's not to write the player off. It's not to say in a few years' time that he won't be a very good player, a very good operator, a very smart operator, someone who can make an impact in games there and then. But you do look at, as I say, the players that we've been linked with and compare it to that and think, eh, it's a bit underwhelming. That's the harsh reality of it. Look, we're going to take a very, very short pause on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, and we're going to be back to discuss some potential outgoings. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Let's talk about some potential outgoings, starting with Bernd Leno. Um, lots and lots of speculation about him leaving Arsenal this summer. I think people uh, understand that, you know, Bernd Leno is too good a goalkeeper to sit around and play second fiddle to, to Aaron Ramsdale. I think we can all accept that. I think for me, when you look at the level of, of second choice goalkeeper that we currently have, I don't think there's a higher one in the Premier League. I mean, who else has got a second choice goalkeeper as experienced, as good um, and as capable of deciding matches with some wonderful saves as Bern Leno? I don't think there are many. And so in an ideal world, you'd love to keep him, but you've got to accept that if he's not your number one, and I think the reason he's not the number one, you know, we've discussed this many times in the past, is largely due to his style as a goalkeeper, as opposed to him not being very good. You know, the fact that distribution is so important to Mikel Arteta and Bernd Leno in that department, I would argue, is lacking. When you think about those things, you can understand why we can't guarantee him the number one spot. And therefore, if you can't guarantee a goalkeeper of Bernd Leno's quality, as I say, the number one spot, it's very likely that he's going to move on. Now, I thought, I've got to be honest, I thought clubs of a higher profile would be looking at Burn Leno than Fulham. I thought Newcastle may well be coming into in for this. And we have heard those rumours and those reports over the course of the summer so far. However, it seems to be nothing concrete. And by all accounts, the closest that Burn Leno is to going anywhere is to Fulham. Now, it's still not done. It's still not agreed. But discussions, we understand, are ongoing between Bern Leno's representatives and Fulham Football Club. And if he went there, 
you know, I think that was a little bit below him. I've got to be honest. You know, I, I really do. I don't expect Fulham to make a big mark on the Premier League next season. They've almost become synonymous over recent seasons as being a yo-yo club, which is not nice. But, you know, you just you just don't look at Fulham as someone that you think can push on. I thought that, as a, as Craig Tanner points out, um, I thought that a number of Bundesliga clubs would be circling it. German international goalkeeper who's proven his worth over the years, I really did think that he would uh, be attracting a lot more interest and he may still attract a lot more interest. As I keep saying to you, at this stage in the window, you often get sides um, sort of uh, being a bit reluctant, don't you, to, to kind of make moves at this point because they feel later on in the window they could probably get a much better deal. But yeah, surprised at that. But Bern Leno uh, still in discussions with Fulham, but again, nothing concrete on that as of yet. Uh, another potential outgoing is, of course, uh, Hector Bellerin. Uh, it's understood that Villarreal have shown an interest in Hector Bellerin, but he is very much wanting a move back to Real Betis. And this one is going to drag on for sure, because we know that Real Betis financially are in a spot of bother and cannot afford to fork out the money that Arsenal are asking for right now. So what's the solution? Does Hector Bellerin run down his Arsenal contract, which still has a year to run? Does Hector Bellerin plead with the club to allow him to leave in a cut price deal, which I probably think is going to be how this ends up going? Are Real Betis doing what I just described? Maybe some of the other clubs looking at Berlino are doing and waiting until later in the window in the hope that they can secure much more favourable price for the fullback. Who knows? It's going to be interesting to see, but it's clear that Bellerin doesn't want to be here anymore. You know, I don't think you can ever question his professionalism. Obviously, captain the side against Ipswich Town in that behind closed doors friendly just a few days ago. But we know he wants to go. We know he wants out. And I don't really see the point in holding on to him. You know, there's going to come a point where as a football club, you have to decide whether you want to repay the service that Hector Bellerin has given us over the years by almost accepting that you're going to take a cut price deal. And I think Bellerin himself, given all the things he's done for the club, given the relationship he has with the club, Mikel Arteta, and given how influential and how useful he was to them when they were trying to negotiate the pay cuts, I think he'll be sitting there saying, well, you've cut ties with so many players during this last 24 months many of whom you've let go for dirt cheap, many of whom you've simply terminated their contracts. You're still going to benefit from letting me go because I'm on a decent salary. I think it's about £110,000 a week, which is a lot of money to save. If I were Bellerin and I really wanted this move, I'd be saying to Arsenal, you've let so many people go. You've cancelled contracts at will. You've allowed people to leave for free people who had given this club far less than I have over the last few years. And Bellerin's standing is not just within the dressing room at Arsenal. It goes much higher up the line than that, because, as I mentioned, of all the things he did uh, during the COVID situation, the support that he offered the club, the, the willingness to be that middleman between the decision makers and the playing staff. I personally think that as the window goes on, if, if Bellerin's preferred club, Real Betis, don't or won't cough up the money, I think there'll come a point where Arsenal will say, OK, let's find an arrangement here to make this happen and allow him to go. Because what's the point in keeping a player who simply doesn't want to be here? That's my view on it. I said we were going to talk about outgoings um, and we've kind of wrapped up that that piece now. 
because that's the latest stuff being written. Um, I did just quickly want to congratulate the Lionesses on their first uh, game in the Women's Euros. They, of course, uh, beat Austria by a goal to nil. It was Arsenal's Beth Mead who got the only goal of the game. So congratulations to her. Great to see the women's game, um, you know, getting the attention and the love it deserves. Fantastic to see a crowd of, I think, around about 68,000 at Old Trafford last night. And I'm expecting to see good crowds uh, up and down the country as the tournament continues. Uh, lots and lots to look forward to in that one. And I'll be watching as much of it as I possibly can. I admit, you know, I I kind of dip in and out of the women's game and I should pay a lot more attention to it. I just, as I was explaining to someone yesterday, I just get to the point sometimes where I'm a little bit footballed out. And then I feel like I'm, I'm on overload mode and I'm not actually taking stuff in. And, um, and I end up being um, a little bit passive in my analysis and, and in the way I kind of absorb the game. So I, I that's why I don't spread myself to cover Arsenal women as well, because I wouldn't do a good enough job of it. And there are far better people out there for that than me. You know, Tim Stillman is, is top of the class in that for sure. Um, there are a few others as well. There's a, a brilliant girl over at 90 Min, a uh, brilliant lady, I should say. Um, I'm just, I just say that out of habit. It's terrible. Um, Ali, who's superb. You can you can go over and check out the excellent work that Ali does. And 90 Min in particular are doing lots and lots of work around the women's Euros. There's the fan van, which is driving up and down the country, getting to all the games. Uh, if you spot that at any of the games, if you are attending, go over, say hello, take a picture. You know, the usual. Uh, the girls on the ball are doing uh, the work there, which is superb. So, yeah, check out 90min.com for your Women's Euro 2020 coverage. Lots of exciting things to come. And you can check out the 90min Talks show, which is a women's football show, which will be running every Friday throughout the duration of the Women's European Championships. I think you'll enjoy that if you have an interest in some top, top-notch guests on there. OK, um, just quickly, uh, Lisandro Martinez, because a few people have um, have asked me about this in the last couple of days. As far as I'm aware, there's there's nothing new on this. Now, we hoped that maybe by the end of this week, we'd have an indication as to where Lissandro want, uh, is going to end up. And we still might, but I'm not really that optimistic because it's Thursday afternoon at the moment and there's still no new noises coming out of Ajax. With regards to this one, we know that he met with Ajax. We know that he's discussed his want to get out of there and join the Premier League. People keep telling us he doesn't have a real preference. He's not fussed whether he joins Arsenal or Manchester United. Manchester United fans will tell you that he only wants to join Manchester United because of Eric Ten Hag. If that was the case, I think he'd have pushed for that move by now. But anyway, we are where we are on that. We'll keep you across that uh, as soon as we have anything new. We'll, we'll bring it to the table. But at the moment, not a great deal of uh, of new stuff to discuss. Let, let me take a couple of your questions uh, and to see what you guys are saying. Kind of hoped to jump on the stream today with a little bit more energy and a little bit more like, yeah, you know, this is happening, that's happening. And it really happened because things are quiet. But that might bloody be a good sign. Uh, Guna Works says, uh, for players like Bayern and Leno, would you rather we hold out for a higher price to get rid of the Arsenal sell for cheap sigma, uh, stigma and risk keeping them or let them go for a cut rate price? I think that stigma is already there with players that we signed in the past. And my hope is that as we continue to recruit in a much more effective way, that we'll get to the point where those 
we kind of finish trying to deal with those players from that previous kind of era. And the new ones will be protected at all costs and we will be able to rebuild that reputation of being difficult to deal with in terms of trying to pluck our players away. Um, but I, here's where I'm at on this, right? So you look at you look at Bellerin, and I, I talked at length about the Bellerin situation. You look at Bellerin and, and he will think, well, it's not fair that you're using me to try and get rid of this stigma which you created yourselves and actually proved true when you decided to move lots and lots of players on over the last 24 or so months on very, very low, um, uh, with very, very low transfer fees. And in some cases, you even terminated their contracts to get rid. So I think it's unfair on the few remainers, if you like, from that that regime that we uh, that we now try and put our foot down and be strong and bold and, and difficult uh, in the transfer market. So let's see. But, you know, it's not really fair on them as individuals. I would say, I know from a club perspective, sometimes you have to be a bit selfish. I know from a club perspective that you don't always really care about that stuff. But, you know, you've you got to be fair to the human beings as well. And I think particularly in Bellerin's case, where that relationship is very strong, then we're going to struggle uh, to, to prevent him having his wishes granted, I guess. John Daly says, Harry, why don't or can't we get players out on loan in the Prem? Chelsea had a few last season and they did a good job. We have Balogun and Nuno that could and should play in the Prem on loan this season. The difference is, though, John, mate, Chelsea have always been able to go out and bring in top stars in those positions. And then it's the players that fall down the pecking order that they look to move on. And they've produced a lot of good players at Chelsea Football Club. And they've also been very smart in the way they've executed their loan strategy so that it benefits them. Because they now have a few players, you know, Armando Brogia, Conor Gallagher, uh, Levi Colwell, who could all be sold for relatively good fees if they're deemed not good enough to play in the Chelsea side. The problem is that a lot of the players we're talking about, you know, are, are players in positions, particularly in Nuno's case, right, where we can't afford to let him go. We've only got one left back and he's injured half the season. So we're not really in that position where we've got a stockpile of players that we can allow to move on and we can allow uh, to go out there and, and kind of spread their wings. And then we can take that decision further down the line as to whether we should keep them, try and reintegrate them or let them go out uh, to other clubs and, uh, and and bring in some money for them. As for Balogun, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, Balogun and what's going to happen with him. It's all been really, really quiet, but you only need one injury to Jesus or to Enketia, And you're going to need Balogun as part of the squad unless there's another alternative. So again, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to let these players go out on loan if we're almost cutting our nose off to spite our face. Uh, let me take a couple more of your questions. Uh, Wandering Minstrel, hope you're well, man. He says, Harry, do you feel there's a rabbit uh, on the way with silence? What he means by that is, do I think that somebody is going to join Arsenal out of the blue? I certainly think Arsenal are working. I really, really do. And I think they're going above and beyond at the moment in order to try and keep things under wraps. I think they've felt uh, the pain of people coming in and hijacking deals already this summer. And I think Arsenal are trying to move as quickly and as efficiently as possible behind the scenes to get deals done without them becoming public knowledge until they're too far gone, like the Fabio Vieira one. So I've, I'm confident that they're trying. Whether they're going to get those deals done, though, remains to be seen. 
Uh, Amira says, hey, Harry, do you see us having an Odegaard situation where Arteta's persistence for a player means it's a deal that could happen even after the league starts? If yes, who do you think that is? Well, you can't rule that out. And it's what I keep saying to people about this whole panic that seems to come about every time a transfer window comes along and we don't make all our moves in the first few weeks. If you feel a player is the perfect fit, the right fit, the one that you want, then you shouldn't compromise on that based on them joining two weeks into the season as opposed to never joining, if that makes sense. You you know, sometimes you have to wait. We did that with Martin Odegaard and people were really critical of it and people were moaning about why didn't we go and get James Madison? And Odegaard was brilliant last season overall. Yeah, he had a couple of dips in form, as does everyone, as did everyone. Overall, it was a really, really positive sign-in. And that was because we waited and made sure that we got the right one as opposed to anyone. So if we do end up with the right players and the deal can't be done because of, you know, issues sometimes outside of our control. So, for example, you can want a player. The selling club could be open to selling that player, but may well stipulate to you that they're not going to allow that deal to progress any further until they get a replacement in. And then you're at their mercy. So what do you do? Do you start working your way down your list of targets? Do you get as low as you possibly can? Or do you just do what Tottenham did with their manager search? I always use this point, but do you keep crossing people off the list until whichever one lands is, is a possibility? And then you do that. No, if you really want someone and you have to wait an extra couple of weeks to get it done, then you wait. That's how you do the right business. That's how you do good business. That's how you ensure that you do not let your standards slip in terms of your recruitment. And in the past, we've let standards slip. It's why we are where we are today. It's why we have a load of players that we can't get rid of. It's why we're even having these discussions and debates about how low can we uh, let offers come in for and, and finding that balance between almost being taken the mick out of, but also you know, letting them go because ultimately that's what all parties want. It's a really, really difficult balance to find. But I think that there will come a point and there does, there do come points where you have to wait because a transfer, as I always say to you guys, is not solely in the hands of the buying club. The player plays a part. Agents play a part. Intermediaries play a part. The selling club, particularly when a player is under a lengthy contract still, have all the cards in their hands. And so you have to do it on their terms. You have to pay the money that they want. You have to do it when they're ready to allow it to happen. And all of these things are big factors. And people, for me, often overlook them. And it is really, really frustrating. Okay, look, guys, we, we're going to leave it there. Um, we've been going for 35 minutes or so. Um, apologies, I'm cutting it slightly short, but I am wheezing a lot and I'm struggling. So um, I promise I'll remember to take the, the pump thing next time before I come on. I don't know. I didn't feel like I was wheezing before I started talking, but I've been home most of the day alone. So probably haven't spoken and therefore didn't realize unless you talk to yourself. And No, I don't do that. But anyway, yeah, we'll be back very, very soon with more. Don't forget uh, to hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new and a little bit of news for you guys as well if you're interested in arsenal's friendly match tomorrow with uh, fc nuremberg in germany whether you're going to be watching it whether you're going to be listening along to it whether you're going to be at work 
The Chronicles of Aguna is back with a watch along. We've got you live watch along right here. Chronicles of Aguna. I'll be taking you through the game, giving you my thoughts. It will be our first glimpse, we think, of Gabriel Jesus in an Arsenal shirt. Can't wait. So come and join me. Kickoff is at 4.30. We'll start at 4.15. Uh, so come and join me for that. We'll take you through the game. I'll I'll bring you some kind of loose commentary on it, as well as sharing some of my thoughts. And uh, we can discuss it throughout in the chat box. Really, really looking forward to the first watch along in a while. Um, so, yeah, come and join me for that and I'll catch you all tomorrow. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.